Welcome to Revitalize and Restart, a podcast dedicated to the discussion of church revitalization, restart, and renewal. We invite you to listen as a host and some of the best practitioners in the field of church revitalization and restart discuss issues facing the church in America. And now, here is your host, Dr. Steve Sells, author, conference speaker, and president of Operation Transformation. Welcome to another installment of Revitalize and Restart, a podcast that's brought to you by Operation Transformation, Church Revitalization Group based in Salisbury, North Carolina. I'm Dr. Steve Sales, your host, and it's a pleasure to have with us today Dr. Desmond Barrett. Dr. Barrett is a lead pastor of Summit Church of the Nazarene in Ashland, Kentucky. Uh, he's a co-founder of the, the Rural Revitalization Network and is the author of a forthcoming book, Revitalizing the Declining Church from Death's Door to Community Growth, as well as a contributing writer uh, for Church Revitalizer Magazine. That's how I became acquainted with him, and Outreach Magazine as well. He holds a BA degree from Nazarene Bible College, a master's in organizational leadership, and a doctor of education and leadership from Treveca uh, Nazarene University. I think I'm pronouncing that correct, am I not? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. You're a great Nazarene. Welcome hey, to the club. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, welcome to the podcast, Dr. Barrett. It's an honor to have you with us today. Well, thank you so much. It is an honor to be here with you, and I admire your work and uh, the work of the North American Mission Board and all missional strategists uh, across the United States. So it's great to be a, a part of this broadcast today. Amen. Thank you so much. Today, we're going to be discussing a topic that I think is very, very important, and it's um, leading out with a futuristic kind of mindset when a church comes to a point that they need to go into a season of renewal. So let's, and you, you uh, came up with four keys to that, uh, that mindset or leading in that future mindset. So let's talk about that. I, I think you uh, shared with me a little bit about the concept of, of adapting uh, to the new reality that a pastor might uh, find his church in. And, you know, we talk a lot about uh, present reality uh, in this thing of church revitalization. So uh, start us out by talking about this uh, adaptation that's necessary for the pastor and the leader in the church. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I was 33 years old when I took my first church, and it was a mid-career change of where God was calling me out of running a private business, a multi-million dollar business, to going into the church. And so my first church was eight people. And you have to imagine, here I was making a lot of money and taking a church of eight people and going on welfare. <laughs> and that church, I, I realized, was dying. It had passed the, the point of plateauing. It truly was in decline. I knew I was in trouble when on my first Sunday, here I am in my dress outfit, the uh, church leader, I call him the church boss, the church pioneer, uh, he said to me, well, pastor, you need to go to the end of the driveway, remove the board and turn on the water for the church. And so here I am in my dress clothes, getting on my hands and knees, removing the board, sticking my hand into a hole and turning on the water because they couldn't afford the water from going from the road into the church building. And wow. it was at that point I said, God, you did not teach me how to handle a situation like this. Well, 
time and time again, God has opened up doors of opportunity to help uh, pastors, and they even help in my own leadership, uh, churches which were plateauing and declining. And I think it's a gifting. And so there were four keys that over the last number of years that God has laid on my heart. And the first one, it, it talks about the church did not decline overnight, and it won't uh, change back overnight. Many of yes. us want to go in, and we want to fix it right away. And I wish mm-hmm. that was the answer. I wish that our our leadership, I wish that our charisma, I wish that our theological education could help us change things overnight. But yeah. let's be honest with each other. Mm-hmm. The situation that you find when you walk into that pastorate, when things are already in decline, it didn't happen because of you. It didn't happen yesterday. It didn't happen last year, but it started decades ago where people made decisions to where they wanted to be in charge instead of allowing God to be in charge, where they said, Pastor, you're not in charge here, but the church board is or the church elders are. We and and we 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 fight and we fight each other instead of fighting for the kingdom of God. And so we, we wonder. Why is our church in decline? Our church is in decline because we have made decisions. If we're not willing to face up to those decisions as a leadership team, as a, in a business meeting and say, okay, yes, we've made some mistakes. If we're not willing to change from that, then go ahead and close the doors because we've become a social club and God doesn't want another social club. No, I agree 100%. You know, uh- Facing this, what directing this thing toward facing reality. Um, I do a conference on nothing but <clears throat> facing present reality because you know what I'm finding. I'm finding not only do the people not want to face reality, <clears throat> but oftentimes pastors don't want to face reality because when they start having to face reality, they have to adapt their leadership uh, to accomplish. Uh, church revitalization. And um, it, it's a sad thing to see some pastors kind of shy away from that because it's a costly thing to adapt, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to uh, say, yeah, we're going to go this direction. Uh, I've known pastors when they did that, it cost them their ministry mm-hmm. in that particular church. You know what I mean? And um, and, I, and I love the fact what you just said about this thing of a, a church boss and church a group running things and driving the church into the ground. Um, I, I've said this all along. I'm convinced that one of the biggest problems we have in our churches is a disconnect from the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And, and the, the, you know, leadership doesn't depend on the Holy Spirit anymore. Well, you know, this thing of adapting, um, you know, when you start seeing all of this, you run into the reality that there's a lot of stuff that's wrong. Let's talk about how you fix those things. I, I mean, really, when you I've been in churches that it it blows my mind how long it's going to take to fix the problem. And, you know, Tom Chaney and and all these other guys will tell you it takes four to six years uh, to, to bring revitalization to a church. It's according to how many things you got to fix. Isn't that correct? 
Absolutely. And so when I look at fixing things on that second key, it, there's three things that have to be fixed. You have to look at the systems, you have to look at the people, and you have to look at the programs. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're going to be in different orders depending on what you're facing as a revitalizer. But the systems that are put in place, sometimes we have so many committees and so many hierarchies that we have to follow be, based on the Constitution and, and what is happening in that local context mm-hmm. that we miss the work of the Holy Spirit. We miss that we need to pray. And Mm -hmm. if we're only praying during a Sunday morning service, two or three minutes, and we think that's all that's going to help us change what God wants to do here, then then we should just close up our doors. We have to have a true prayer movement inside of our church. And so evaluate what is not working. And so when I look at it, it is the systems. What is stopping the local church from being the church that Christ has called them to be? You know, Mark, Clifton, he's so great. He always talks about that the address is not by accident. Somebody planted your local church. Somebody came along and said, we needed a church, whatever denomination it is, we needed a God, Bible-based centered church here. Well, that hasn't left just because man and women get in the way and decide to run it their way. If we have a dedicated flower room, that means some the system is broken. That means the system of helping decorate the church has overtaken, and now it has taken on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. If we have a library that is dedicated dedicated to somebody, but it's never used, and you try to evo- change it to, to uh, turn it into a youth room, and you have fights because of that, then the system has overtaken what the, the true identity of that place was. And it takes us to people. Yeah. God brings the right people in the right season for the church. Yes. You, pastor, hear me today. You are not in your church by accident. You have to have a holy boldness. Now, I'm not saying be rude. I'm not saying be crass, but I am saying live your life, your prayer life, your spiritual life in the word of God and live it out in that pulpit. Live it out in what you say. And if God has laid a vision on your heart, pastor, then begin to pray and ask one, two people that you can believe in to pray with you to to break down these strongholds, because I understand it. There's pioneers in your churches that have been there since the very first time the doors have opened, or they've been there since the cradle, and they're going to be there until the grave. I get that. You know, I had a, a friend of mine, he um, he had a, a, a pastorate where they had a picture of Jesus behind the pulpit. Well, he wanted to take it down and put up a cross. In all reality, a cross or a picture of Jesus is leading you to one thing. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is an image. It's a reminder. So he decided to take down the picture of Jesus and put up the cross. Well, boy, he didn't ask permission. He didn't ask permission. And there became a fight. So he took it down and put Jesus in a closet. Well, the next Sunday he comes in, he's thinking he's going to see the cross up there. Nope, Jesus is back looking down at the pastor. And the pastor said, my goodness, what is going on? Well, he takes the the, the picture down at the end of service and puts the cross up and he hides Jesus. And now it turns into hide and seek Jesus. He hides Jesus in a further away closet. He comes in the next Sunday expecting to see the cross there. Jesus is back. What happened? A lay member was so focused on this is how we always did it. This Jesus has been there for 30 plus years. Jesus needs to be there and not the cross. So the pastor says, oh, I I got him. He came in late at night. He took Jesus down, put the cross back up and went all the way into the attic and hid Jesus behind some stuff. Well, that 
following Sunday, the third Sunday, he comes in thinking he's going to see the cross. And who did he see? He saw Jesus. Well, I followed this pastor and he had told me this story. Well, I decided to to redo the platform a little bit again without asking permission. I just believe this is what the Lord wanted us to do. I took Jesus down and put him in the back where the number board was. Well, that started another fight. That's a story for another day. But Jesus was hanging out at the number board. You sound like Baptist. <laughs> yes, yes. So I met I met the guy who kept on taking Jesus down and I'm putting Jesus back up and I met him in the parking lot. And 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 I said, "Brother Jerry, uh Jesus has has left his spot, but you're going to see him every time you leave the church and it's a reminder that Jesus wants us to enter the mission field and he's walking with us." Well, Jerry said, "Okay, pastor." And he left him there. Well, after I left, the next pastor comes in. They, they, they took the Jesus down and gave it to a church member. By now, Jerry had passed away. So I went to do this church member's funeral, and uh, the the pastor says, well, do you want Jesus? And so now I have hide-and-seek Jesus in my office. So he has left the church building, and he's in a separate state. But it is a reminder that systems can get in the way, and then people. The last thing is programs. Yes. You know, COVID has taught us something, that we don't need all these meetings and all these programs where the same three to six people are showing up doing the same things over and over and over. It's okay to say, it's okay to say death has come. Celebrate the past and move forward to what God has for us in this season. You see, I've realized something in my short life is that I cannot be my parents. And I cannot be my grandparents, but I respect them and I respect what they accomplish. Yeah. But I can be the best person I can be today. It's the same with programs. Mm. Those programs of the 80s may have worked in the 80s, but here in, in 2021, it may not work anymore. It's okay to celebrate it and then to move forward. And so that's why I, I look at this key number two as systems, people, and programs. We have to be willing to adapt and not get stuck. Yeah, yeah. The, pro, the programming uh, concept that you're talking about is, is so real in churches that need to be revitalized. Um, and inevitably, when I go into a church to, to work with a church to, in revitalization, they may be using programs that go all the way back into the 50s. Right. And they stopped, they stopped working in 1955 you know what i mean but they keep doing them and keep doing them and keep doing them and um i'm finding that that's one of the biggest problems in a lot of our churches Uh, they don't they don't want to change away from what they used to do even if it quits working even if it's uh if it's not a uh, a real viable uh, way of doing things well well uh all of this, you know, this brings about a real busyness for a pastor to lead and if he's going to revitalize a church. Talk about a minute how he how he continues to minister to his members, but not just his members, but reaching outside the walls of the church as well. Because I, I, this is a time-consuming thing. And if he doesn't have, and, and, you know, I always tell a pastor, Put a team together and get them working with you, because if you don't have a team, it'll burn you out in a heartbeat. It'll kill you, really. So talk to me a little bit about how you see the fact that a pastor can go through all of this and, and still minister to the people 
and minister to the people outside the church. Well, you got to look at what did Jesus do? Jesus is our example. He did not do it alone. He had a group of 12 men. Then he had a smaller group of about three individuals that he would take off and, and, and say, will you pray with me? Will you be with me? It's the same thing in this. We cannot do this alone. If Jesus is not the head of our household, the head of our ministry, or the head of our church, then it's not going to work. If you don't have a group of individuals around you that you can rely on, that will pray for you, that will help you share in this burden, then it will not go. You know, key number three, when we look at it, is that we have to prepare for guests. And how do we do that? We 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 do that by evaluating what is happening. So we've talked about that the church did not decline overnight. Pastor's not going to fix it overnight. You looked at the systems and peoples and program, but now you got to prepare for this guest. And how do you do it? Number one, you got to be prayed up. You are in a spiritual battle. You are coming against darkness in, in dark forces. And sometimes the devil uses good people that we love and we appreciate inside of our church to try to get us to leave, to try to, to run us up the road. And this is going to be a five, six, 10 years of oh, turning yeah. this thing around. Yeah. You're in it for the long haul. So pastor, you can't do this overnight. <laughs> so I always say, take your church leadership outside and stand in your parking lot and to look at the church for the very first time. And look around you. What does that neighborhood look like? Does that neighborhood look like the church on the inside? And if it doesn't, it is a red flag that your church is declining, it's plateauing, yes. or it's on its way to death. Yeah. Then as you evaluate it, you have to begin to evaluate from a guest perspective. How do they get in your established building? Because many established buildings built in the 50s and 60s and 70s, they have multiple entrances to come in, and we have no signage. Yeah. It says this is this is the front door. This is the worship center. This is where uh, your Sunday school classrooms are going to be. Nobody knows how to get in churches. Yeah, and so we have to begin to look as Jesus would look on someone who's coming to faith for the very first time. He doesn't say, I want you to be the best Sunday school superintendent. I want you to be sold out and tithe right away. No, no, no. He says, let me meet you right where you are. And so, Pastor, you have to meet your church right where it is. And mm -hmm. sometimes you have to do some of these early battles mm -hmm. to get the breakthrough that's coming. And yes. so when you come into your building— what does it look like? What does it smell like? I love to play this great game. What decade am I in? <laughs> and so I walk in and I go, okay, did I, did I meet the 80s? Did I meet the 70s? Did I meet the 60s? And then I use my senses. What does it look like? Does it look cluttered? Is there paint peeling off the wall? Uh, do I have a whole memorial wall? And it reminds me I've entered a, a funeral home. Or uh, what is my senses? Another one is smell. What does it smell like? Does it smell musty? You see, we get comfortable. We get comfortable in the church of our smell and our look. And we don't like to change it because everything around us is changing, but I can hold on to my power. I can hold on to the way mm. things are. And especially as we get older, I don't believe people get uh, meaner. 
I just think they they have to fight harder because they can't physically do the things that they used to do. So the guy who would who would take Jesus down and, and put the cro- or take the cross down and put Jesus back up, what was happening in Jerry's life? Well, his knees were getting out, giving out. He was no longer able to get up and change the light bulbs, the fluorescent lights in the church. He he was losing his wife's health issues, and everything was changing around it. But he knew for the last thirty years, Jesus. Uh, the big picture was behind the pulpit and nobody was going to change that. Wow. Wow. You know, one of the things I think that you hit on pretty strongly is the fact that our, most of our church buildings, whether they're Baptist, whether they're Nazarene, whether whatever, most of our church buildings were not designed for people outside the church. They were designed for people in the church. Right. And, uh, and you, you, one of the biggest thing I, I, I'm a uh, certified church health consultant through Church Central. And uh, when Dr. Lawless and uh, Rayner were leading this thing years ago, uh, one of the number one things they talked about was looking at, like you just said, looking at the uh, uh, aesthetics of the, of the, of the whole building and, and um, church members just get used to the way it is. And it really doesn't affect them like and especially these days with these young couples, these young families, uh, and one of the biggest things that I found uh, and I continue to find is a problem with nurseries or where babies are going to be kept and children are going to be trained. Man, you you bring uh, you get a young family come in with two toddlers and and they try to take their kids to the to the area where the kids are going to be being taught and it's cluttered or it's nasty or it smells or it hadn't been painted. Guess what? They're not coming back. In fact, I've seen them turn around, walk out and not even stay. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, this is really, this is really, I think a, a part that pastors need to be listening to. Um, well, I know, I know as you put all this together, there's a plan, uh, that you come up with and, um, that plan is a long-term plan. Uh, I've been, I was in uh, with Mac, uh, uh, John Maxwell in a conference in, in Elmer Towns many years ago, and uh, they were talking about uh, dreaming a new dream and, and coming up with a, a, a plan, you know, to, to move things forward. And that, that was the first time in my ministry that I ever realized I can't go into a church and just live with the status quo. I've got to know where God wants that church to go. And once I know where that, that church needs to go according to God's plan, then I'm going to have to take that church in that direction. So talk a little bit about how do you activate that plan, especially when you've got people that don't want that plan. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely. I, the reason I laughed is I, I started thinking about all the people that I have butted heads with. Oh. Because they, they, they want you to come in and to be their pastor, and they're going to love you, and they're going to support you. And the first thing you change, it, it, uh, they, ran, they rain down you know, a hailstorm upon you and uh, call you all terrible names. I, I, um, in my current assignment uh, that I'm in, the, the, I realized my first week here, they did a lot of talking and they gave a lot of announcements. 
And uh, that's wonderful if we didn't have them projected on the screen or held, held them in our yeah. hands in a bulletin. Yeah. And it's important. Or if Almost we couldn't like they read, can't read. <laughs> right. And if we couldn't read, it would be wonderful to hear them. But in today's world, there's a lot more people that can read and write, and uh, we have them up on the screen, and we're, we, we have them in our hands, and yet we spend 10, 15 minutes on announcements, and we do two to three minutes in prayer. Yeah. And so my second week here, I said, no more announcements unless it's an emergency and people have it in their hand. Well, my my local church boss got so mad at me and screamed and yelled and 10 minutes before service, and I'm supposed to be holy and sanctified, and I wanted to lay hands on a brother. Yeah. And uh, so, so I, I realized that what we have to do as leaders of the church, again, it goes back to prayer, but we have to be good listeners. Yeah. Yeah. What does the church want? And so when I go in to interview at a local church for the very first time, and when I help other pastors, I always say, what's the story inside of your people that needs to be told? And it's by listening. And it's in those stories that you hear in that first month, two months, three months, that you're going to find three to five things that you can pull out and say, this becomes the vision of our church. You don't need to come in and change the colors and change the website and change the logo and and, and change the, the, the mission statement of the church. Th- the, that's just, you know, putting lipstick on a pig. Mm-hmm. You have to get to the heart of the matter, and it starts by listening. Yeah. And so you listen. And when you're able to listen to those three, those five things, and you're going to hear them over and over again, that becomes your vision. Remember, you're not there to, to serve yourself. You're there to serve God's people. God has called you to go farm in this field. And how are you going to get a good crop? Well, you're going to test the soil. That's how you do it, by listening, listening to what the people have. So I just believe the vision is inside of the people. Now, you as a as a good leader, as an A-type leader, you may be able to clean up the language and make it more succinct so you can remember it and rattle it off, and those are great. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you go in with your agenda – and your vision, and your design for the building, I guarantee you, you're going to be fired. Yeah. Uh, Maxwell and Towns and and a couple of those guys always teach that when the vision comes and, you you know, you listen to the people and you you pray, you read the scripture, and you you listen to God, uh, they always say that you have to build a team and and this the vision has to become theirs. Mm. You it can't be it can't be yours. If you go into it with your just hey, hey, and I've known pastors and said, This is what I believe God wants us to do, and they walk in there, and guess what? They say, Okay, preacher, if that's what you think God wants you to do, do it. And and they step away from it. Mm-hmm. But they have to have buy-in. They right. have to have absolute buy-in with this thing. Uh you know, putting God's plan into action in a church is not easy. You've got opposition. I go back to uh, Nehemiah mm. and what he, and, and I'm working on a book now uh, from that whole perspective. But when you think about Nehemiah, I mean, he had opposition from outside. He had opposition from inside. He had opposition from le- leaders. Uh, and and opposition from 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 people that hated him, 
but there were others that supposedly loved him he still had opposition from. But I like the fact that Nehemiah never was sidetracked. Uh, he he knew where God wanted that thing to go, and he and and ninety percent of the people understood, and they bought in. And we and and one of the most beautiful parts of that whole book of Nehemiah is activating that plan. I mean, this group of people built this part of the wall. This group of people built this part of the wall. I you never see in there where Nehemiah picked up a hammer, right? Uh, he, they bought into it and they built that thing and got it finished. And, uh, you know, that's activating the plan. I, I you know, I'm with you to, totally on all this stuff. It's amazing what can be done if you get the people committed. Mm. I remember what one uh, older gentleman told me in one of my churches, and I never forgot it because I had tried not doing it this way. And I ended up getting my head cut off a couple of times. He said, if you tell the people and tell the people and tell the people, they'll end up listening to what you have to say, Mm -hmm. but you listen to them as well. Mm -hmm. And, and I've, I've tried that in my ministry. And, and when I began to understand that those people possess that church way before I got there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was it was their church, and buddy, you're not going to walk in there and take Jesus' picture off the wall. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. <laughs> and and until you finally get the leader to say, "Okay, hey, let's put it out there," like you said, where everybody can see it and it'll be an inspiration from going home. Well, I, you know, is there? Can you kind of pull things together in a nutshell for us? Because our time is just about gone. And and uh, give us a few closing takeaway remarks that will really solidify in pastors and leaders that might be listening to this thing right now about this concept of uh, of uh, of uh, future focused mindset. Well, Pastor, I just first want to say to you who is listening that God has called you. And it's not by accident that you're at your current assignment. And I want to encourage you deep in your spirit. The word of God is with you. If you pray and you read and you seek him, he will show up each Sunday, each Wednesday, each business meeting. (laughs) He will help you through. Now, as you go into your church, let's be realistic. You can't change it overnight. It did not change overnight. It was a slow and steady decline. You as that leader have to slow and steady move your people forward. Sometimes you're going to slip back and you're going to be discouraged. And I want you to remember these words. God loves you. God believes in you. Believe in yourself. Love your people. Amen. Is there a way that they can uh, contact you, Dr. Barrett, and uh, learn more about your ministry and especially your book when it's coming out? Oh, absolutely. I'd I'd love for you to follow me. Uh, Find me on uh, Facebook. That's probably the easiest way. You can message me there. It's Desmond Barrett. Uh, There are a couple of Desmonds. Once you look at it, surprise, surprise, I'm surprised too. And, uh, but uh, you'll find me. I, and I'm also at Ashland uh, uh, Summit Church of the Nazarene in Ashland, Kentucky. But my email address, let me give that to our listeners. And you can, uh, the great thing about this, you can go back and write it down, but it's doctor. So it's D R Desmond. 
Desmond, D-E-S-M-O-N-D, Barrett, B-A-R-R-E-T-T, 1-8 at gmail.com. So that's Dr. Desmond Barrett, 18, at gmail.com. Maybe it'll be in the show notes and uh, you can have that there. But I just want to say thank you so much. And, and pastors, don't give up. I was that pastor at the eight-person church. I was a pastor at my second church that lived in old Sunday school classrooms for three years. And that's stories for other days uh, of how people would come up and I was just trying to get dressed and they, they wouldn't leave my little apartment there in old Sunday school classrooms. And, and we had no closets, so my clothes was in another room, but that's a story for another day. But I say all of that to say, I've been in a situation where it's been hard and, and it looked like no fruit was coming from it. No fr- uh, fruition was coming. But at the end of the day, God showed up and I can look back years later that when I was patient, God blessed and God will bless you if you Amen. are patient. Amen, brother. Well, our time's gone, uh, Dr. Barrett. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. And um, for those of you that are listening, uh, if you heard something today that'll help you lead uh, in your local church, let us know and tell your friends about the, the podcast. Tell church leaders about the podcast. Be sure to like our podcast and subscribe so you'll know each time that we post a new one. Uh, this is Dr. Steve Sales uh, uh, saying thanks for listening and My prayer is that something we discuss on this uh, podcast might help you help your church. God bless you and thank you for, for being with us today. Thanks for joining us for Revitalize and Restart. Make sure to visit our website, www.operation-transformation.org, and subscribe to our show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Don't forget to join us next time. And again, thanks for listening.